Hello, welcome to episode number 201 of the Apple Lab Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable, private, online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online today. It's cheap, it's free, it's confidential. And you can get your seven-day free trial when you enter the code word APOLOG when you go to www.betterhelp.com slash APOLOG. Do it. Go there. Thanks to all the people shopping on Amazon. I really appreciate it. You too can support the show out by going to Amazon and shopping. But before you do that, go to apolog.ca slash Amazon or apolog.ca slash US Amazon. You can do it the old-fashioned way by going to apolog.ca and click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether you're from Canada, United States, or the UK. Bookmark those links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use them to support and sh- uh, the shop and support the show, and it costs you no extra money. If you want to help the show out on a monthly basis, try out my Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Apolog, Apolog, A-P-O-L-O-G-U-E. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to buy a t-shirt, go to apolog.ca slash shop. Um... Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today's guest is Mr. Greg Smith. Greg Smith is currently the bass player in a band called Lowest of the Low. He's also played in bands called, like The Weaker Thans. He's played with Martin Tielli of The Reostatics and Dave Padini from The Reostatics from last week. Was in The Reostatics. Gray is, a, is an awesome dude because he still plays music and he still enjoys playing music for the sake of music. And there's not a lot of people out there that kind of do it like that. Um, there's a lot of people that are bitter and angry, and Greg is not one of those people. Greg is just an all-around sweet, easy guy to tour with and, and, par- and a great bass player. And that's a couple of reasons why he's still playing bass and he's still playing bass in bands. And he's still having a you know an interesting ride. Here is Mr. Greg Smith on the Apolog podcast. Totally, yeah, and I can't update it any further. So that R two unit is what it is. She's down. Well, I can see uh, fine. I see your pretty face. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, we had a long conversation <laughs> once in a hotel uh, on the Lois and Low show, and I got hey, you'd be an interesting guy to talk to on a podcast. And I said you should be oh, on my you podcast. Think so. Yeah, and I do. I know so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can't change well, I'll my see mind. You. I'll see what. Yeah, right on. So talking. Hmm. I'm just drinking some coffee. It's uh, it. thanks for coming on the show. By the way, uh, I no just problems. thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man. Um, so you've been you've been uh, you play in so many bands, but the latest band you play in is Lois Alone. Correct. Do you play any other Correct. bands around? I do. Um, I have a band called Ba, which is me and my pal Shane Cox. Uh, and we are an instrumental uh, bass and drums band. So uh, we we just 
Yeah, we just made a record, and there's a record out there in the band camp world and uh, or at our shows. And uh, we started our journey long ago in a band called the Michael Parks, mm-hmm. which is a guy, uh, there's a guy named Andy Swan. Uh, you ever hear that dude? I don't know if you ever came across him in your travels, but no. he's a wonderful songwriter from Toronto originally, now in Ottawa. And he... Um, he had this band called Detective Kalita with Shane years ago. And the very first time I ever toured anywhere was with a band called Room with John Bartlett from Kelp Records. And uh, he put together this band to tour a record he made, you know, a piece. He made the record kind of more piece by piece, playing a lot of this himself, a lot of the stuff himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, I got to do a tour. We're going to do this tour. He booked it all, did the we went out west uh, and then cut back across the top of the states. So it was for a month in, um, I don't know, maybe 2000? Yeah. So and 99, 2000. That was the first kind of touring you've been doing, you've done? That was the first time I ever did any widespread, you know, other than Ontario touring. And they, uh, those, the, the band that was Detective Kalita, which was Andy Swan and Shane Cox, they were the guitarist and the drummer. And then our friend, Sarah Montgomery, she was the other guitar player. And I played in her band called the Cooperators as a bass player. Mm-hmm. So Bartlett was like, well, this is going to be the band. It's going to be rad. We had a couple of pracs and then we went out and, and did it. So, and that was quite an experience. And uh, we, when we got back and a couple of years had passed by, Andy wanted to do a, a different kind of band with and have Shane be the drummer and me the bass player and our friend Sandro Perry be the guitar player. And so we started this thing called the Michael Parks and we did some sh- few shows here and there, but mostly recorded. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. We So we'd go and do a weekend at House of Miracles with Andy McGoffin and we'd run down a ton of tunes and then he would filter through them and make records or whatever. So we had had this previous relationship before Shane and I, and, uh, uh, then, uh, a while back, like when weaker Dance were off the road, I had a lot more time going on and wasn't playing bass as much as playing guitar and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, man, let's just get together and play some, I want to play some bass. You can play some drums. That'll be cool, right? Well, look, we've got some songs. Let's just be a band. <laughs> that's how that sort of developed. And it's a mellow sort of thing. We get out there once in a blue moon and play yeah. some shows. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And when did, when did you join the Weaker Dance? Um, 2002? Two, two? Yeah, two or three. 2003, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I was with, I, I played with T, Martin Tielli uh, 2001, 2001. It was 2001 because I think one of our first shows, was it the very first tour? The first show was after 9-11. Yeah. The day after, like the Monday night, we were, had finished our last prac. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. And I woke up in the morning. Jen was calling me from her work and saying, look, look, look at the news. Like, yeah. what's going on? There's this crazy thing going on. I was like, the day of tour. And you're going to the States wow. too, probably, right? <laughs> this is, no, we were all in Canada at the time, but it was like, this is a pretty trippy thing. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, 2001. Yeah, yeah. So you knew the week of dance through Martin Tielli and they just sort of said, Hey, you want to play bass? Cause they had already, uh, 
John had already been left. That's what we'll say. He'd been left. Um, so you just got the call and said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Come more or less, I suppose. Like I am, um, I didn't know those dudes. They hardly at all. Like I, uh, we, when we, I, I'd met Jason at, at a party at Sean at Acarche's house briefly. And then uh, when TLE band were in Winnipeg, um, we, after the show, we went to John's place and had, had some beers and stuff. And, and, and for that show, Steven picked us up in the van, in the weekend van and took our gear over to the West end and, you know, that kind of a trip. But I was still, I didn't know anybody. I was like pretty green or whatever. And then, uh, I knew Christine though, and I, I played with her a little bit and, and, um, yeah, they. I just got a call, not like we the Martin thing did. You know, maybe it was even two thousand and three, two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Because I got a call. I was still working at a place called the Duke of Gloucester on Young Street, a bar, and and Shauna Cartier called me. He was the manager at the time, and said, "Oh, they they need a bass player for uh, we could need a bass player for this uh, tour. It's two weeks." You can can you learn the songs, you know, in a in a week or whatever, and we'll do, and it'll be cool. You should do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like for cleaning an ashtray at the time. Seriously, cleaning an ashtray is like, oh yeah, duh. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Sure, I'll do that. Like holy shit, I don't know any weaker than songs. I don't know, but I didn't know. <laughs> okay, it's like well, you can go to Jason's house and get this CDR of a set list. Learn that and and. Uh, it's going to be cool. All right, great. So I went and I got the CDR and I would come home from work from the Duke like three in the morning. I go out on our, we had a, bat, a little upstairs apartment thing, Jen and I and, uh, went out on the fire escape with my bass and uh, like a little boom box, CD player boom box. And I'd listen to the tunes <laughs> as the raccoons were wandering around. And I'd put my ear to the bass, just, Check it out. Like, okay, okay. This, I think that's right. That's an F. All right, mm -hmm. cool. I just kind of like learned up the tunes the best I could. Then we had a couple of practices, and then we we played in Kingston. That was the first show, Kingston. That's neat. And it was right. And I got to. I went up on stage, and the place exploded. It was like, oh my god, these guys are really popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have known, right? Like, they're just I such antiheroes. Like, I knew that they were like. Like I kind of had heard of propaganda, and I knew there was, yeah. I'd read some stuff about Weekends, but I didn't. I I'd heard some music. I'd heard Retired Explorer, and you know, I left and leaving maybe, but I didn't. I wasn't deep in the scene or anything, mm -hmm. and so it was a kind of a trip to me to to jump in like that. And they were kind of cool in a way, in that they brought along um, Dave McKinnon and Bri Poirier from Fembots. Mm -hmm. They're like in the band too for that oh, tour. That's that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, and I think as a safety, right? Like yeah. probably as a like, if this guy turns out to be a bozo, <laughs> and we'll be all right. Like, <laughs> and but it worked out great. We all had fun, and we've all, we're all yeah. yeah. I remember talking to Jason because you'd got it's, it was you know John leaving was a bit of a was a bit of a surprise because they were you know always you know that was weaker thans and i as a band i toured with the weaker thans and as a band i knew john k sampson from the beginning of john k sampson's solo career so right, so right. i you know and and i asked yeah i asked jason i said jason you got a new bass player he goes yeah he says sweet a lot 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. I think like, I, yeah, I probably drove him a little nuts. This is a sweet steak. This is a sweet, you know what I mean? Everything was sweet. Yeah. He thought yeah. it was hilarious. Beauty. There's, it's totally beauty. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I bet you. That'd be interesting to know what their take on that whole thing was. I never heard. Well, you know, we never it, talked about any of that. Like we literally we went on the road. We did that. I think it was two weeks, something mm-hmm. like that. And we got off, came off the road. And it was like, oh, groovy. Talk to you later, kind of thing. <laughs> and a little time went by, and like Steve and Carol like got in touch. Oh, we got some more shows. These are the other shows. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> and Should I learn more? Learn more tunes? Yeah, here's some more tunes. They never All once right. said, "Oh, you're in the band," or no, nothing like that. Ever? Never, no, it just and then we just kept going. Like That's we hilarious. did that two week tour, and we just twelve years later, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like we just kept going. It was really kind of cool in a way that way. Like, but it was weird. It was a little weird too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I could imagine. I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know like with what happened to the other bass player or what went down or. Yeah. Oh, I didn't ask. I didn't know. I just. I, I like playing music. I'll go play with you some music with you That's guys. So no. amazing. And you since like you and John Sutton have actually your friends now, like buds, right? Like you oh, see yeah, each other. He's a wonderful guy. Well, he was really cool. We had our, C- our boss CD release party. Mm-hmm. We just put out a new like CD, whatever that means now put mm-hmm. out like, I don't know. Like we were celebrating that we made this record and, uh, and John was there down in Parkdale. He's up the way in Ronsi's there and, and or just off of the, or off store. And then, uh, yeah, came down and checked the show and we always like have a little chat and I love to see he plays in rusty and stuff. And yeah. I work at the horseshoe tavern. I've seen them a couple of times there. We always, and anytime we pass by, it's like, it's nice to chat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, I've, I used to put weaker vans up in my house, like in my apartment, like when they mixed fallow, uh, they mixed it out of our apartment and almost got us kicked out of our apartment because our landlords <laughs> thought we yeah. were like, uh, bringing more people in as like to share the rent. But it, right. was, it was John, John and Jason had just sort of flew to, you know, to Toronto to mix Fallow. Mm-hmm. So I have sort of a deep history kind of like as that, you know, I listened to that John K. Sampson solo record on a Red Fisher tour incessantly every day. I listened yeah. to that cassette. And, you know, I always said, like, this is the best thing I've ever heard because it's, <laughs> it's so honest. And there's the words are so cutting you know what i mean like like the way john writes lyrics it's just so incredibly to the point and yeah yeah well that was my take on it too was when i got involved in the band it it was uh it was obvious that there was this really striking lyrical thing going on you know like this is something quite di- you know it's quite different and uh you know, like that uh, special, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, w- I was always a yeah. It's a, it's a pleasure to any time we get to play together to sort of prop up that those stories and words yeah. any, any way I can. You yeah, know, yeah. Well, I do. I said this before, but I, when I watch the documentary, uh, oh. you're the best part of it. You know what I mean? Because. Honestly, and they'll be the first ones to admit it. They're they're just these. I would think the music was the best. Part, no, so. man, you're funny. You're the best. Like you're funny. Like it's sort of like it. It gave a, a relief to the whole thing. Like it just gave it. I don't know. It, the music has character, but but having what you're saying is like an observation on 
on your observation. And that to me yeah. was, I, I found that to be quite interesting because oh, yeah, yeah, it's the way you, th- you look at it and, and your insight into it was more on a, I guess on the periphery, but at the same time, it made more sense to me. You know what I mean? Cause oh. yeah. Very cool. I think I get you, man. I can see that. Like my, if you're looking at it like a movie there, it's like my character is inside, but outside or something like I'm, I'm not from Winnipeg, first of all. And, uh, and I'm new to the trip, but not brand new. And yeah, yeah, I can, I'd like, you know what? I should probably watch that movie again, just from, <laughs> from that point of view. Like, yeah. I guess that's an interesting yeah. thing. Cause I, you know, I, I had a similar occurrence and it was with Jason Tate. When I joined Red Fisher, mm. I moved to Winnipeg to be in that band and I moved into a, basically a completely different culture. So I, yeah. I moved into a West coast meets East coast, but meets a farmer. You know what I mean? That's what, Winnipeg, <laughs> that's my observation of Winnipeg. It's sort of like, <laughs> it's cool, well, but it's on edge, but it's cold. It's uptight. But at the same time, it's, it's passively, you know, up, it's passively uptight, I guess, is with my observation of Winnipeg at the time, because there's a bunch of other 20 year olds and me. And I'm the kid coming in from Toronto who's like, look at you, big city. You know what I mean? I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? I live, yeah, in, I live in I live in the country. What's, what's that? So, yeah, they might have reacted toughly to a Toronto person. They're, I don't know. I find Manitoba, Winnipeg, like it's it's a heavy duty place. Like they, hmm. uh, it's, you know, uh, I, I would say gateway to the West, historically gateway to the yep. West. You know, and so it's kind of got this other thing going on. And, and when you take into consideration, like, wow, yeah, it's just a he- to me, it's a heavy play. I really love it as a dude who's like a bit of, who's, I, I did history in university. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I find that it's, it, you know, it's, it's central. Mm-hmm. It's a gateway. It's, there's it has been forever those those rivers mm-hmm. the way that the rivers cross Cinnaboyne Red that the 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 First Nations history there is rich and and, and wild like it's always been this sort of thing. so whenever I'm there which has been a lot in the past not I haven't been there probably in, well maybe less than a year ago I was there but mm-hmm. uh, anytime throughout the last fifteen years. I've spent time there. There's always uh, a t- vibe that is I've experienced nowhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Like it's really awesome. I love it, and, it's, and specifically in the winter, for some reason, I really love it in the winter time. There's this. this um, I really can't put my finger on what it is. Maybe that's what John's been trying to do this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to explain Winnipeg, right? yeah, absolutely. No, He's trying to explain it as metaphors. Uh, yeah, well, you know the whole the, when you talk about the. I native- can't imagine moving there. Like you were just moving there and immersing yourself. Yeah, like that. That'd be a trip. It was a trip. I mean, it was interesting. Well, first of all, spending one winter there. That's all I spent because I'm. When we got back from our second tour, uh, I'm like, I'm gonna go home because it these winters kind of suck balls and. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I want to not have my thumb freeze to the doorknob right. of my vehicle, and it was. <laughs> you know, it was a, an interesting. Um, 
Yeah, it was an interesting experiment for a 20-year-old to move out there for the first time and sort of be by, I was by myself, you know, meeting meeting people for like, and I'm pretty good at meeting people, but sort of like they did bring me in. I didn't feel like ousted or outside, but I did feel that they looked at me with sort of like, oh, so you're from the big city. But meanwhile, I lived in the country. Like I, I didn't even, okay. I lived an hour outside of Toronto. So I was- Oh, I see. Oh, little, yeah, right. I see now. They just sort yeah. of like judged me for being a Toronto guy. But maybe I was, you know, maybe at that time, you know, maybe when you're 20, everything's, you know, you're a different, obviously different person, right? So, yeah, I was picturing something a little different with it, like it, it, coming from a place, like you said, that your thumb on the on the car door yeah. thing, like, yeah, everybody has vehicles. You, you kind of have to have a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. Toronto, you don't, you don't, like anybody I know who grew up in, in Toronto, yeah. there's only a few of them. Most of the people I know are like me, because came here from somewhere else that was oppressive yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but uh the you know you rode the ttc or if you came from toronto my friends that are from toronto they don't they still don't have licenses yeah you just you ride know? a bike and say so yeah just... you ride a bike or take the ttc or something like you don't have to have a car or whatever but there it really is there's a culture and in fact you know there's the whole portage car culture too right yeah kuznay <laughs> you know yeah, there's yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. There's, so it's that's really would have been a real mind melter for you yeah. probably too like well, where are you originally from uh woodstock ontario okay. uh, uh, it's a, a farming well it was a farming community became an automotive community mm -hmm. uh during my my lifetime kind of and i left in when i was 18 i came to toronto under the guise of uh of school of course of going to college for of going to george brown college for graphic design because I like to draw and stuff. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right. But in my mind, I was like, screw that. It's rock and roll. That's why I came to Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I was like, oh, yeah, mom, it's going to be cool. I'll get a job. I'll, I'll be a graphic designer and get a job. Well, I, I didn't even last a year. And then I mm -hmm. got a job as a phone jockey calling for the NDP, whatever, <laughs> and, then, and then started playing in bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so you were 18. Yeah, and then I went to school later on when I was as a mature student. Yeah, I, was yeah. I went to um, University of Toronto again under like this to appease parentals, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and then really I was like, I can get to, uh, some student loan action, and I can go out on the road, play with pants, and that's Babbitt Room, Martin Shelley. All that happened while I was finishing school. You yeah, know, quote yeah. <laughs> and I did. I got an honors BA, so I, I managed. <laughs> It, it took me five years, but yeah. I did it. Yeah. And, and has it come it. in handy? No. I, yeah. Well, I, my wife would argue otherwise, right. but I always, I'm constantly like when I, cause I paid off my student loan. I, I paid it all down with the help of, of family and, and, and the weaker dance really. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it I was, while well, I was doing that, paying those great big payments every goddamn month. I was like, Oh shit! What a, I can't believe I spent all that money doing that. And she's like, "Well, it's affected your the way that you think, you know. Like it's mm. it's ingrained in you, whether you use it or not as a job. Like it's in your day to day way, way that you uh, you know analyze the situation has been affected by what you learned in that time. And I think that that's cool. That's that's an interesting way to look at it. I still don't know if it was worth like whatever it was forty five thousand <laughs> fucking dollars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really i shouldn't i should take that back it was because i got to go on the road with, with cool musicians 
Well, I university. I've, it's funny. I just had this conversation today with somebody about university. And university used to be like sitting on a mound, smoking pot, and thinking about stuff and learning about how to learn. It had nothing to do with the subjects you're taking, you know, because I worked at a university for ten years, and it slowly but surely changed over ten years from people sitting on mounds smoking pot to we have a, a mandate with all this uh, classroom space and we need to have an income and you know and it, it's sort of like the school turned into a community college all of a sudden you know university changed and you know it sounds like when you went it was still a bit of the let's go through the motion of learning but you know because i you know just you know it does affect you i i truly i think it does it affects your perspective of um just for the experience you know yeah uh, you know you're yes you're absolutely right and in fact now using that word learning so much it's reminding me that there's a t there's another band i play in called the trabian ensemble that's been going on for a long time with old friends from woodstock mm -hmm. that band started when uh it, uh there's some guys from a band called wayne omaha who were from woodstock and then i was in different bands and um matt from that band and myself we started a band called the keep on keeping ons, which was a rad band. That was our motto was like, no songs, no practices with all performance. <laughs> and then we were a fun little band, but anyway, eventually we decided let's amalgamate this stuff. This is sometime around when the week of ends are playing started when I started playing with the week. Of Ends, And uh, we started this Travian ensemble thing with everybody, except for Yod, everybody had had kids. Yeah. And it was like, well, let's start this band. We'll practice every Wednesday. We won't worry about gigs and stuff. We'll just be able to like drink beer, hang out, have a night out and rock and whatever. And that'll, that'll be cool. You know, anyway, so we continued on and we ended up doing gigs and whatnot. We still do gigs. We have a song. I wrote a song not long ago for, for the band called learning how to learn how to learn. <laughs> and that's, you know, like it's kind of what we were just talking about there. That's basically the song is about is going, you know, post-secondary education being a like, kind of going back like learning how to learn how to learn <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely totally and mm. and, and well, as, as you stuff. yeah absolutely and as you get older you start understanding like um perspective on what music is to you versus how what your priorities in life are, are you still are you still willing to jump in a van and tour out for months at a time like what's your me yeah yeah absolutely if it, if it can happen i mean now like you say um perspective on life it, it it all depends on can i come home and pay the bills it's just about that if i can go in a van with a band that uh, and I, I like the music and stuff and i can be able to um yeah like feed my pay my share of my scene Mm -hmm. and great then i'm in you know <laughs> yeah. if i can't like i couldn't do anything anymore where i just get in a van and go like i couldn't do the room tour anymore you know mm -hmm. i couldn't go out for a month again. and john was awesome like he tried really hard to get factor and stuff like that and he ended up paying he get we got our ten dollars a day per diem and i think i got a few hundred bucks or something like that at the end but now i couldn't do that because i've got bills man you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and i've got a 10 year old and i got you know we have things in our life i have to be i can't i have to look at things now like oh well how many shifts at the horseshoe would i lose or whatever doing that and then do a bit of math right yeah go okay can that work out 
Sure, it can. Or it's it's me. <laughs> For me, it's actually is it close enough? <laughs> yeah. Right, so I'll figure out a way to to top it up if I have to. Like, well, you know, I, I find being I don't know other people find this or how your if your life works this way at all, but it's a, just a lot of hustling around and just trying to feel like I I'm, I paint and I, I play in bands and I work at the bar and between those three things usually it, it it works out something comes up where the, the bills do get paid and we're cool like you know mm -hmm. and that to me is perfectly fine like there's no no uh, concepts of like saving or retirement or things yeah. like that like these are out of the question to me things got lumped into a scene where it was like I'm going to be, I want to, I got to pick some things that I love in my life that I can do until I drop dead, yeah. you know, like, and I can do those things. I can play music and I can paint pictures for people. They won't always buy them they won't, yeah. or whatever, but I, chances are things will be okay. You know, if I just keep on trucking, there's a way that I can have income or what I, you know, and, and so as far as that, like if that is what's going on, great. I can I can totally do it. I, I just couldn't say yes to a band going out and yeah. for a cup for a month or something and come back and be broke. totally broke. Like I I would just destroy. I you know Jen would divorce me or something. She probably <laughs> would, she probably would still would hang on. But yeah, <laughs> but we wouldn't make we'd be we wouldn't be living in Toronto. That's for sure. We'd be <laughs> we'd have to yeah. Run away. I, you know, I, I, when you say like the, the sacrifice, I mean, it is a sacrifice. Like what you do for music is a sacrifice for, I'm going to say this and it's probably going to be the wrong word, but for security, <laughs> it's the wrong word, but it is, it's a sacrifice for security. You're willing to lay it all out there, you know, for, you know, cause a lot like people like me, like I did that too. And, and it almost killed me. Uh, and, so I ended up, you know, I changed my life. I changed what I did. And I don't, I don't think, I, I don't, and I, and I don't judge people that keep on keeping on, but I would hope that people don't judge me for the fact that I got a job and, and I, you know what I mean? Like I, for me, I put a lot of things into perspective about music for me. Like how important is music to me? Is it right. worth losing my family? No, it's not worth it. Maybe 20, 30 years ago. When I'm in my late twenties, be like, yeah, fuck it, I, I'm gonna go until I, you know what I mean. But you, the, the sacrifice you make is admirable. Is it? Is it? It's it's admirable because you have you you're doing it for art and you're doing it for the love of art, and then you're doing it for music, and that it's an observation. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. It's, I I wouldn't uh, I can dig that man but I also what you're doing too is not not admirable I think it's very smart to have, and and also um um uh, what's the word I'm looking for like uh I think that you're just a little more flex flexible like and that that's something that I admire like you can go well is, I I like being involved in 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 culture and mm -hmm. what's going on in the world and, and artistically and so I can I can always play music with people like whatever, but that 
I could also do this other stuff. Like you seems to me have a brain, like you've set this whole thing up. I'm at, at my computer now. Uh, you know, I've typed in this something or another and it's come up that I can talk with you. Yeah. Like, I didn't figure that shit out. I don't like, I'm kind of a moron about that stuff or whatever, or not driven to do it. Mm. I have friends that are similar that, that are like, they really love the challenge of technology. They love, um, you know, puzzles and, being able to just see where things, and I'm, I feel more, it's like a Luddite or something where I'm like, I, I like to create the thing, like the, a piece of art or something like that. I have no idea and no drive to like pursue what people are now doing all the time to like things like this podcasts. Mm-hmm. Know, whatever and i mean this is not even new like the podcasts are like, <laughs> but to me they are you know yeah, like they yeah. really are like jen rocks podcasts all the time and they're so interesting so awesome wow i never download that stuff i'm still just listening to Miles davis or something yeah. you know like i don't no, no. Yeah, or I whatever totally. some new music that i like but i i like it's never been a, a drive like that i'm still like i'm st- i guess it's the, to me i'm still exploring whatever that pathway is i'm i I haven't got yet where I haven't fully explored that region of, of simply just playing bass with some people or coming up with a visual thing that I think is stimulating or whatever. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe when I'm a little older, I'll finally get on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we, we need to have people that take chances in life. Like we need that, you know, because then it's furthered. Then art is actually furthered because it's not, art has never been about making money. Never. I mean, right. the thing about the music business, those are two words, an oxymoron. Those two words don't go together. <laughs> right. They're not supposed to go together. People disagree with me on that, but I, I, I truly believe if you if you want to create art, it shouldn't be in comfort and, and it, should be a, a, it should be some form of like hunger, you know, to still be able to, you know, make that decision to, to keep, keep on doing it because there's, you must know there's people down the line that you've met who were in high school that were like, I'm going to be Bon Jovi, you know, fuck you, man, I'm going to make it. And then you're, you're here and you're at that age going, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, but you're still doing it and you're still making music and still enjoying it. And that we need more of that. We need more people who, who can, um, th- you know, not throw caution to win, but just make sure that this part of it's being handled because it's you know there's a lot of people out there who get very scared, and I think as you get older, you start understanding that it will provide like something comes, right? Yeah, so, you have to. You know, yeah, I'd hate to make it sound like I don't have any drive or something. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not either. I mean, you have well, nothing I, but I, drive. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, I agree 100%. It's like you're totally right, man. Like I, uh, I guess really early on in my late teens, I, uh, when I started to kind of play music a little and just try to draw things and do stuff like that, I figured I, I really don't want to work a job that I hate. Like I don't want to have like my, Parents have done wonderfully. They're great. They've been so awesome, and they did everything they were supposed to do, and all that stuff. And it's worked out okay for them, and everything. And, but I thought, well, I don't. I don't want to do. What's, what happens if you don't do that? Mm-hmm. What if I do the exact thing that I want to do? 
Hmm. And I just keep going. What happens is you end up working a thousand crazy jobs that are hell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. But as long as at the end, there's something where I get to like come home, wash all the drywall crap off me or whatever it is, whatever job you've been doing that day or <laughs> grease and weird, all the crazy kitchen jobs and the weird, like, and you wash up, you go down to the jam space and you meet your friends there and you make some great tunes and it's, super fun you're like that's all worth it like wow that makes me feel you some bruce springsteen quote some guys come home from work and wash up and go racing in the streets some people come home from work is what i should say yeah yeah wash up and they go racing in the streets well you know i guess i just took that a little bit literally and was like well, <laughs> i'm gonna just do that like and to see will it will it work i don't know you need a lot of help yeah you know you a, lot need a lot of support of yeah, a lot of support yeah. and and you got to work a lot of different weird jobs and angles to get those bills have to be paid and you know well i think though it makes you more comfortable with um it makes you more comfortable with who you are as a person because you're relying on you to to get this shit together you're not relying on a union you're not relying on a on a on a, a comfy benefits package you are you are relying on you and there's a confidence that you have to be able to do, to do that. And what I did notice, cause I, I recorded bands for many, many years, feast and famine. That's what it was yeah. you know, making no money and making shit tons of money, but I never saved it. And, well, I've been waiting for that shit tons of money. part. <laughs> and what would, <laughs> what would happen is that I would start getting more comfortable with the work I wasn't getting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got more comfortable with the fact that, Hey, you know what? Something will come. And it usually did. And, you know, based on the fact that I kept doing it, and and yeah. and that's sort of what I can I, I see in you that you're like you know what it's gonna happen it has to there, there's there it always has happened you know what I mean there's not gonna be a time you are always gonna be you you know what I mean and yeah. and in in your personality has always been this is easy free and easy let's do this until it's you know and it's gonna be fun and that's what gets you work you know what I mean mm. you know you're a really good bass player but you're just a cool dude to hang with and that's well that's kind of you well, I mean. <laughs> That's fifty. That's fifty percent of the gig, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. And then you know, I, I also like uh, as I get older, I you do start to see little like well, you, you just keep working at stuff, and you, and I, I'm finding doors open up in strange places that you didn't expect them to be, like and. I really think you got to think that way if you're rocking that scene. Like, oh, what's that? Like, kind of say yes a lot. You know, don't yeah. say no so much. <laughs> say yes and see, like, where is that going? Like, be cautious, of course. Yeah. But, like, find a, a, one thing that's on my mind recently with my son, you know, he's, he's interested in music like any kid is interested in music, but certainly not, like, you know, he'd rather just take a guitar and just bang on it with a drumstick yeah. rather than play it or whatever. Yeah. But uh, when he, you know, he's rocking a uke in school or whatever, and uh, it gets me thinking, like, oh right, you know, teaching would be totally cool too. It's not something that never occurred to me. I never occurred to me that I had anything to offer anybody out of my experience. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's recently been occurring to me. Well, I think I do. Like, I can't. I'm not like the most. I never went to school for music. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I because of experience, I you know, I know like 
what augmented chords are. You know, I know sure. what a diminished chord. I know how music generally works, but I'm not really fluent in it. So in my mind, I'd always think I couldn't possibly teach anybody because I'm not fluent. Mm -hmm. But then I am fluent in having a little band, figuring out how to make a song together, do you know, like the real rudimentary get a get a bang out of it, get a kick out of it. Where's yeah. the kick? Like, oh, that's where it is right there. That's good. Feel that. Go with that. What mm -hmm. you know, like I think that I could really offer something. So that's been rolling around in my mind recently too. Like, yeah. Well, well yeah, you, absolutely. Like, as you, you get older and you have less of a, as you, you know, we're talking about things like not being able to just hack it all. Like you couldn't do, I remember meeting Frank Turner in, in uh, Germany years, a few years back. And he at that time was like, oh, I don't have a home. Like I just gave up my home and I'm on the road. Like, I'm just on the road. <laughs> yeah. I have to just have gigs or else I have nowhere to sleep. <laughs> you know, like, and he's just going for it, yeah. doing his thing. I was like, wow that's pretty wild and i you know at this point at 47 i can't i can't really do that I, i'm not willing to do that because i've got family and mm -hmm. and uh like well what other kind of things can you can you do like what are what are some other as we said doors that i could you know maybe bash open if i had to yeah yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just get in there oh yeah. those are some of those doors neat yeah. it's never desperate like it's never never has to i don't think it has to feel desperate you can just you have to think you have to be think very creatively yeah well you know just being available and being a bass player and just being a musician in the scene opens doors because people know you as that person and mm -hmm. they know you're available and they know you're willing to say yes like you probably wouldn't have gotten a phone call from anybody had you been. I gotta get back to, I gotta get back right. to this, uh, you know, factory I'm working at or something. You know, totally. you know, I have to do. You know, so that people understand it's not just who you are; it's your life, and and, and that's what yeah. people want to have in their band. You know, and that's where you know a thing like a, if you have a partner, yeah. that's a big. That's a big thing. Like Jen is incredible that way. Like she's, we've been together forever. Mm -hmm. And she just knows this is what you do. And okay, well, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. that's going to be tough. And and if it wasn't for her, I would. There's a lot of times that I wouldn't maybe be able to say yes. You know, it's a thing we have to get together and talk about. Yeah. And figure out what's that mean. Okay, what would mean this this time away or whatever. Da da da. But then there might be some income. Okay, all right, well, let's go. Well, you're gonna do it. Like her thing is always just like, well, you're, you're gonna do it anyway. Right? <laughs> Talk about a way that make it work for our family. <laughs> that rings so true in my house. You know, I bet it does. It you're, totally does. Like. Yeah, it does. Because I start the campaign. Like when I want to get something, like a something that costs money. You know, I'm like, you know. They're going on sale, you know. So I start the I start the campaign early. Like my big one now is I want to buy a Tesla, so I have to save up. So I'm saving up to buy a Tesla because I want one. I don't know why. I just love them. They just look so sexy and awesome. So it's a long. Yeah, they seem like a, it seems like the future. They, totally. Yeah, the they're smart, smart vehicles. You car, you know. Like, yeah. So yeah. so I'm trying now. I'm starting now. My two year plan. I have a two year plan. So in two years, I'll be like rolling up. You won't hear me. I'm like. <laughs> oh that's great in two years and and you know it's i when you say things you know about about your wife jen and 
I sync the same things with my my wife that she has been so supportive over the years, and at the point where, but the thing is, is we had a discussion like this is this is the turning point where we went. You know what? Maybe I don't want to play music as much, and then that was the <laughs> ultimate decision. Like you know what? Maybe you shouldn't have to. And I'm like, okay, you know. So it was her support in that, but she didn't she didn't say. Either you quit music or you quit me. You know what I mean? There was never this sort of like ultimatum. It was always a gentle persuasion because she knew, my wife knows, that I'm going to try and do whatever I want all the time too, you know? So it's... Uh, You have to be a functioning uh, human that is is putting something positive out there into the world. And and, uh, it seems she knows that. And and that's the same as as Jen with me, I think. Like they, they know, well, that... Hmm. That's an there's an element in Craig that has to do certain things to be putting out some sort of a uh, creative, positive energy into the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if it wasn't, you know, if I went back and I don't know what I would do. First of all, I was about to try to use some sort of example of some job I could have whereby. I would have a pension and stuff. There's nothing like yeah. <laughs> I got no fallback at all. Yeah. Like, could I? So, like, my university degree is so long ago now that yeah. I'd, I'd have to like, <laughs> you know, like I don't know, real estate maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what the hell I would ever do other than what I do. Like, what? But I, and the whole thing of the teaching or whatever. But I wanted to mention too another thing you mentioned about your situation was like that. I thought was a really cool thing was that whole. Uh, my partner is also very, you know, doesn't, no ultimatums, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no, it's just, well, what will that mean if you do that? Because sometimes, uh, you know, you get depressed and you get fed up or, or, or just scared and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. Like, what, what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. and you, you have to discuss it like partners and be like, well, you like maybe like sometimes I'll throw crazy ideas. I got to do that. I got to quit this and do that and blah, blah, blah. And she'd be like, well, do you really have to do that? Like what? Think about it for a minute. Like just yeah. <laughs> you know, like, come, like you're being a little rash here. You're being, you're, you're, you're walking some sort of weird tightrope that you only you imagine is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Chill yeah. out, dude, and we'll figure out a scene where it'll be cool. <laughs> you know? I was just thinking, could you imagine if we married like the same people that we are? <laughs> yeah. God, I don't even... think about that for two seconds. Shit balls. Oh my god. <laughs> We'd be <laughs> we I would be living in a box, uh yeah. probably dead. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we might not even be here. Well, I would might not even be here. That's true. <laughs> yeah. This episode is dedicated to our wives. Yeah, uh, and look at we get to say, sit here and talk to each other over uh yeah. the crazy inter interweb. The internets. You yeah. know the interesting thing about this website, you see in the URL it says appear.in dot whatever it is. Mm. You can type that in and type any name at and and that slash. And if <laughs> I type in the same thing we are connected. There's absolutely, this is way better than Skype. Um, really? Yeah. That's, that's good to know. So if you go to that appear.in website, it'll, you say, yeah. type in anything you want and you type it in. And if somebody's on the other line types the same thing in connects and I don't, it's uh, it's, pr- oh. that's pretty magical because that's great. It, touring it, 
information. Yeah. Totally. Sure. I mean, I've rocked the Skype thing before and stuff. And Skype's a pain in the ass. Yeah, like. Yeah. And I think what we got. I mean, when I finally got a, a like, I got a, like a smartphone, an iPhone thing, or whatever, to be on the road. And when Thompson was very little, that was magical. Like that was a cool. It was a real game changer. Then being, because I can remember being in Europe or whatever, and putting coins in, you know, like, <laughs> Phone I don't cards. know what this coin is, but yeah. like, I don't know, I was sitting in England, like, pumping shit, and, like, to talk on the phone, and, like, that was just so crazy, and then you, that would be a special time, I guess it's interesting in a memory-wise, but with the, with the kid thing, it sure is great to be able to visually see. Yeah. So when, when I went on my first tour in 2003 to Europe, we actually videotaped with a camera me saying like, cause my son was at that time, he was only like six months old on the first tour. I went to Europe and, uh, and, and it was like, hi, this is, I'm your dad. <laughs> 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 you know, don't forget who I am because yeah. I'm coming back. And we, the first tour we did was like almost a month in Europe, you know, and I'm 33 and my son's just born. And it's like one of these moments where like, you get all the way across in Europe and you're like, you know what? I really, I changed like it changed who I was as a as a parent that it really did affect me being away and I I missed I missed my son like so much and I think that's what sort of brought me home more you know what I mean like oh yeah because at that time there was no real Skype Skype didn't come into like 2006 and when I went across in 2000 and well, man, 2005. I went across and I had a... No, 2006 because I had a phone. or I can't remember. But when I had a smartphone, I took the SIM card out so I would go to people's front yards and find their Wi-Fi because <laughs> it wasn't locked down in those days. And I would make Skype conversations on my phone without using my SIM card. But before yeah. then, I would spend like hundreds and hundreds of euros just to keep in touch on the phone you know, mm-hmm. without anything, you know? So it, it, I think that's what kept me, what brought me home and sort of sort of, you know, my son now is 15, doesn't give a fuck about me. Like, I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's like, cool, old man. Yeah. Uh, and my daughter's 12, you know what I mean? My daughter's 12 and she's only a year away from hating my guts too. So <laughs> you got one year, man. <laughs> yeah. Make it count. I was uh, around again, apparently. Later. Yeah. I was strategic though. I took my daughter to Disneyland uh, at the age of 11. Uh, so when she's 13 and like, come on, old man, I'm like, remember that time we went to another country and went to the funnest place on earth? I do too. You know, you might hate me now, but you know, I'm not that bad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had some good times. Yeah. Don't be so mean. So um, yeah, man. So I, I must say I'm back on the bass too. I, I just joined a, ba- a band uh, playing bass for a band called the Wilkinsons. That oh, had, yeah. Like a country really? band. Yeah, yeah. They were like Grammy nominated in the early 2000s family country band. Excellent. I played two shows, played the Havelock Country Jamboree. Right. Just bought a bass too. I bought myself a five string bass. I know, sacrilegious, but. You- oh, hey, you know, use whatever tools you like to use, you use those tools. I don't mind that shit. I don't know. How, I'm, I'm really terrible at, at those multi string bass things. Just, at, I mean, I, I, could, I could figure it out, but. Uh, the, I, I like to stick to the four string ones just because that's, I mean, I only ever really play two strings at a time anyway. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Jesus and Mary Chain style. Well, I still have my, my four string bass that I have had since 1991, but buying a new bass was interesting. Like I bought a Music Man 
and it's an awesome bass, and it sounds great. And I've never owned a music band, and I've always wanted to own one. So I kind of like killed two birds by getting a a music band and a five-string. It was on sale, so I I, I had to buy it. Yeah, you get in there and check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I also had a terrible experience with my first five-string thing, which has probably scarred me, which was – with the Rio Statics we're playing, and I was just there at the gate. It was my, the, that band I mentioned earlier from Woodstock, Wayne Omaha, were opening. Yes. And they're out east, and I was just on tour with them for kicks. And uh, they're like, come on, everybody, come up and let's play. Like, I don't remember. I think it was Horses or some mm-hmm. groovy jam tune. And uh, Tim's like, here, take my bass and play the bass. And he was going to play guitar or whatever. And I started to play. And I didn't know. Like, I... I knew what a five-string bass was, and I knew there was a B. Like I mm. knew that that was what was going on, but I thought it was like hot, like a guitar. Like it was the higher would be another <laughs> higher string that was a B, but it was the low string was yeah. the B. Oh, I'm tromping on this thing, going, "This sounds like shit. What am I doing wrong? What's going on? Oh mm. my god! I'm just freaking out. It took me half the song to figure out. Oh, that's not uh, E is the one where the A would normally be. Oh, oh God. Okay, I get it now. I, I totally ruined this whole jam. Pro- or maybe it sounded groovy. And I, it probably like, sounded amazing. Was I like playing fits or something? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it yeah. was like a really weird experience anyway. And ever since then, it's just, I've, I'm like, I'm out. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I can't even do that. And plus, I'm just, I like to, you know, the Minutemen adage, I, I jam Econo. Like, I like to, I got my two fenders. That's what I got, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, for tools of the trade or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, that's <laughs> all. I really yeah. admire people who go like, "Come on, you might as well explore." You know, like explore any kind of. They're all hammers and saws and stuff. Just pick one and try to build something new. I think that's certainly great. I don't think you could show up to a weaker than's rehearsal with a five string bass without getting. Uh, oh, I'd catch shit for that. Oh, absolutely. I got shit for having a picture of me <laughs> playing with shorts on from Jason Tate. Like, he's like <laughs> no shorts on stage, and I'm like, is he serious? Yeah. Like, I wore shorts every day when I played in Red Fisher, even in the winter. But, uh, <laughs> right. but uh, the thing about, I mean, I hadn't bought a bass since 1990 or 91. So for me to buy another bass, it was interesting because I walked into the music store and I'd never had that experience like that before where you go in and go, oh, here's a bass. This looks cool. And it was on sale, like half price, and it was used. And uh, I'd start talking to the guy. He goes, dude. You can't slap on that bass. <laughs> right. Like, like I, I, mean, I can't slap. That was a bummer. Yeah, like, like that was like, a bummer. Oh. That was a bad thing. Like because <laughs> it's a short it's like a it's a shorter scale five string bass. So you, the strings are too close, you can't pop and slap on it. And I'm like, um, okay, I think that's okay. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's all right. It's just yeah, it's not a deal breaker <laughs> no. or whatever. And I was gonna buy a Yamaha bass because they were the bases I was looking and researching, and so I was gonna. Oh, this looks like a cool bass, and I look at it, and it was a Music Man, but it was an Indonesian Music Man, which is fine. It was a Stingray bass, six hundred bucks. Oh wow! So that, and he goes, oh yeah, guy played it and brought it back because he was he didn't like the color. And it's like a peach sort of, almost like a, looks like off yellow kind of, what? No, it's more beige, peachy kind of color. I'm like, this bass is amazing. I'm just playing for two seconds. And I immediately got, that's the thing about basses or instruments. And like, I connected with this instrument immediately. I said, this is something I love to play. I'm going to own this bass forever. And I mean, I'm sure you have the same experience. Like when you played one of your two basses and went, "Uh, I don't need to buy anything else ever. 
Totally, yeah. The first Fender one that I uh, got. The first thing I ever bought was a Thunderbird um, reissue thing. No, uh, what do you call it? An Epiphone Thunderbird mm-hmm. with a reverse headstock. And uh, I just thought it looked cool because at that time, Mike Watt was touring with that blue Thunderbird thing. Right. And I was like, rad, okay, that's going to be cool. I had no idea how long those things were. Like, playing an F was like, I could barely reach the F. Yeah, like, it yeah. was so far away. But I rocked it for a while, and I always wanted, a, a, like, one of those old-time precisions, the 52 sort of, re- like, a Dusty Hill from ZZ or, or, the, yeah. or the old Minutemen white um, Fender that Mike Watt had. And st- I was like, oh, I just love the look. They look kind of like a Bruce Springsteen tele, like a tele bass is what Yeah, 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 yeah. And... uh I was like, I got to have one of those. That's what I want. I want that plank, you know, that's really cool. And I found one and this is really, this is where like Sarah Montgomery from cooperators was instrumental in me being a musician or whatever, continuing on playing music. Cause she lent me the money to buy the thing. It was 600 bucks or something too. Mm-hmm. It was like not crazy expensive, but uh, that was a lot of money for me at the time. Mm-hmm. It really was like when you're living day to day, it was like, that was a lot of dough and I paid her back pretty sure <laughs> no, I think I made her back. and uh and then it's the one i still play the most of the time and then i got uh, uh steven carroll and i at the same time bought uh um american fender things when they came out with this one series that was affordable and it was one of those scenes where it wasn't a piece, single piece of wood it was composite thing Mm-hmm. And so some people were poo-pooing that or something, but whatever. But it was affordable. And it felt great. It was like, great. I'm in. This is cool. And I'm still play that all the time too. Depends where I leave from. Do I leave from home or do I leave from the studio? And one mm-hmm. of them's at one place, one's at the other. I'll take mm-hmm. that to whatever gig, and they and they feel really great. I mean, I do also have a Dan Electro that I'm looking at right now. That's uh, sitting here. I bought that in Pittsburgh on tour with the Week Events because it was uh, so inexpensive, and I'd read about Gary Talent from the E street band using that on born to run. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's, that's on under, it was like 250 bucks or something. Yeah. 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 Like, fat oh, Mike plays them. Cool. Yeah. Fat Mike plays one too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, this is this, it's different enough that I think that'll be really fun. And so that is the bass that I use when I play with Ba. It's like become a band specific bass <laughs> and it's got a gnarly voice, you know, like it's, yeah. it's got that. So when there's only two of us, like, it really fills out whatever the mid range world will be, you know, yeah. like whatever I decide to play in the mid range. And so, so it bites really nicely and it's very reactive and it's nice, low action, fun, super light. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all getting older. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. nice to something that's a little lighter. Yeah. I, I, so, I was so. on tour with uh, Red Fisher in 92 or something and we're in Seattle. We're at a music store, and there's a Fender Precision 1956 Fender Precision 800 US. It was beat to shit, but it looked like it played so nice. And I remember I'm playing it, and it's every penny I had would would have right. bought that bass. I wouldn't have any money for the rest of this three month tour. <laughs> and I'm like 800 bucks. And I remember Robbie Kowalik, who's our buddy on tour with us. I go, dude, I want to buy this bass so bad. I got the money; it's in my pocket. And he goes, Do you want or need this bass? I'm right. like, you know what? I want it. And he goes, then you're not going to buy it. So mm. that was words, <laughs> words to live by. And I realized that whole tour was like three months long. And that was all the money I had to tour with. 
every mm-hmm. penny and that would have been going into that base yeah. i would have gotten two weeks in i would have had no money i would have had to call <laughs> home and ask for money for my parents and yeah. where'd all your money go well i uh i bought a base <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking moron <laughs> right. yeah that's it it's funny you say that and the red fisher connection because if i remember correctly when i got the dan electro I was humming and humming and hawing like I do. Things like that. Spending money freaks me out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Tate was like, "Well, what are you going to quit music?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "No." And he says, "Buy it." <laughs> like, what are, so funny. What are you talking I- about like it's you you know like similar to the you need it or want it. It was yeah. in his mind. He was at that time anyway. Yeah. He was like, "You need it. Like you you're a musician. Get the tool you want." to use to, yeah. to build the music like duh that's cla- <laughs> that is tate jason tate that's classic jason tate that's what i'd hear him say i heard him say it when you said that I'm like that's the first thing he'd say had he been in the music store with me he probably would have said yeah buy that bass you stupid yeah. idiot why are you what not are you buying it yet <laughs> what are you quit? gonna quit ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant yeah 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 well, hey man, we we nerded out on bass enough. That's uh, yeah, that was funny. That turned into way more of a bass talk. Like I'm not usually much of a gear gear guy. But yeah, that's fun. I hear the <laughs> there's the fire truck going by your house. Well, yeah, Parkdale. We're here in Parkdale. You are. I thought you lived over in the east side. I'm in the east side, but I'm here at uh, my painting. I share a painting studio space. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So this is where I try to. Come. I usually get here a couple times a week to paint. And uh, jam a little, and do or if I have to do any demos, like for instance, after this, I have to. I'm gonna frame these pictures and put them in the bar called the Mez, where I have some paintings up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna learn some uh, two new lowest, uh, lowest, two old lowest to the low songs that I don't know yet. That's, so that's amazing. What I'm gonna do after we get off of the thing. I'm gonna see you in November, <laughs> where we do one show. I'm doing the the Dakota show with you guys in November. Rad. Yeah, that's I great. can't come to America with you because it's illegal. I don't have working papers, but uh, I know that would have been the fun one too. So uh, Dakota will be fun too. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, man. I uh, I'll uh, I'll keep you updated when this comes out. I really, really do appreciate. It. And you know, I mean, I mean it when I say it. I mean, people who sacrifice. Uh, for music is is a uh, it holds a high regard in my in my heart. Oh, groovy man! Well, yeah. thanks for having me on your show. It's cool. Anytime, man. It's been fun. It's been br- brand new for me. Really fun. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the digital age. Yeah, I'm yeah. in there now. I guess. Eh? You're Fine. in. You're now. Yeah. To- <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good one, Simon. And that was Mr. Greg Smith. Good guy nice just a good soul good guy to travel with i must admit a very very good guy to travel with and when i did some los los shows he was my roommate for a couple of nights thanks greg for doing the show thank you so much everybody for listening to the show over 200 episodes now going strong still you know there's no end in sight really there's so many people to talk to my buddy will mcgurick said you know what you have to do you start have to dealing with the people in your town because my town has lots of artists and i think that's what i'm going to start doing i start focusing a little bit more on where i live for the next little bit and if it gets boring then let me know you know that's just the way it goes and what i might do is if i have if it gets a little too hometowny then please don't forget to go to applelog.ca slash contact and let me know how much this show sucks (laughs) okay so um next week i don't have any guests yet but uh, maybe i'll have somebody local how about that really 
what's happening with me? Doing a new Fairmounts record. And, and it's sounding quite stunning, I might admit. Um, we're going to be putting a record out, hopefully, by the end of this year or the start of next year. It's going to be a very cool, awesome power punk rock and roll record. And uh, keep coming around. Keep enjoying the show. Let me know. Go ahead. I mean, that is. Send me mail. Let me know. Let's talk. Have a good one. We'll see you again next week. 